0: Disputes Quick Listens, where members of our Disputes team discuss the latest legal updates and trending topics. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of our Disputes Quick Listens. I'm Lawrence Lieberman, a partner in the Disputes and Investigations team, and I'm here with
1: Hi, I'm Gemma Browell, a senior associate in the Disputes and Investigations team,
2: and I'm Natalia Feikova, also a senior associate in the Disputes and Investigations team.
0: We've got another fascinating topic today, authenticity in art. How do you make sure that the artwork you are buying is genuine? How best to protect yourself at the time of making the purchase? And what to do if it goes wrong? OK, let's begin by talking about some of the practical aspects buyers need to consider when purchasing an artwork. Gemma, why is due diligence so essential?
1: Well, first and foremost, the artwork is vulnerable to fakes and forgeries, and we have previously written about the adventures of various art fraudsters, a buyer wants to make sure they get what they paid for. If what is being offered for sale is described by the hand of a particular artist, then you would want to make sure that it is by said artist. Secondly, and linked to the previous comment, is value. The authenticity of a painting directly impacts its value. The last thing a collector wants is to be saddled with an artwork which is worthless and unsellable. Establishing the authenticity and provenance of an artwork is an essential part of the investigative process to ensure a correct valuation. Finally, proper investigations protect art businesses and collectors and help them manage their reputational and financial risks.
0: So what are some of the key considerations?
1: So let's leave aside considerations of, for example, the seller's credentials or whether the work offered to you is fairly priced and focus on three key aspects related to the artwork itself. Authenticity, condition and valuation. Authenticity strives to establish whether or not a work is genuine. Unfortunately, there is no one single definitive source that a buyer can rely on to establish the authenticity of an artwork. It involves a combination of reviewing the provenance documents, obtaining a scholarly opinion on the work, and in some cases, scientific analysis. There are a whole host of resources available to buyers, and a good starting point is the International Foundation for Art Research which includes links to important archives, image databases, dealer and sales records and other references. IFAR's Provenance Guide contains links to important resources such as Interpol's database of stolen artworks and the Art Loss Register. It is also advisable for the buyer to have the work examined prior to purchase to assess its condition. For example, an old master painting would almost certainly have been restored in the course of its existence simply because it is old. The goal of the examination is to assess the extent of this manipulation and see if there are any red flags. And finally, art valuation, which is these days a highly developed and highly sophisticated industry in itself. Collectors should ensure a proper valuation by qualified professionals prior to purchase. Estimating the fair value of artworks can be a difficult task, given the naturally subjective nature of the product. Getting it right is vital. The value of a piece of art is necessary for matters including tax planning, insurance, inheritance, divorce and debt.
0: Thank you. Now, turning to the less romantic part of buying art, the sale and purchase agreement. As we know, the art world is well known for the informality of its contractual arrangements, with many deals being done on a handshake or gentleman's agreement, often with little to no written record of the party's bargain. Gemma, why is it so important to have a properly documented, robust written agreement in place?
1: There are several reasons, including firstly, the value of the artworks, which are usually changing hands. Secondly, potential for uncertainty around authenticity, authorship and ownership. And thirdly, the fact that the language used in the contract can affect what remedies are available to the buyers if things go wrong.
0: So what would you be on the lookout for in a contract?
1: First of all, I think it's important to draw a distinction between private sales, those between seller and buyer, and buying at auction. Auction houses will have standard terms and conditions on which they trade, so going through these with a fine tooth comb to make sure you understand them is essential. With private sales, agreements can be more bespoke, but they can bring with them their own issues if the language is not sufficiently clear and leaves room for interpretation. Typically, a buyer would be on the lookout for specific warranty as to the authenticity of the artwork and whether that warranty is limited in time. Buyers should beware Of the varying terminology used to describe the attribution of artworks for sale. To the uninitiated, this terminology can appear confusing given the plethora of terms commonly used. Helpfully, some auction houses provide a glossary of terms to explain the nuances, and prospective buyers should carefully review the descriptions of artworks alongside these terms to be clear on exactly what they are purchasing. More generally, Most contracts include an entire agreement clause, which has the effect of restricting the party's bargain to the terms contained within the written contract itself. Often in the art world, there are many pre-contractual discussions and representations about the artwork, and so care should be taken to ensure that important representations by the seller are captured in the contract if it contains an entire agreement clause. Commissions and how they work would also be of interest. Given the number of intermediaries in the art world, advisors, agents, dealers and so forth, the buyer should always confirm whether commissions are payable, and if so, to whom, when, how much, etc., and ensure appropriate language relating to the disclosure of commissions is included. Secret commissions have been the subject of disputes recently. Also, be alive to any liability caps, which may limit one or both parties' financial liability to the other in the event of a breach of contract or other legal wrong. They are particularly important in the case of high-value art.
0: And as disputes lawyers, of course, we pay particular attention to the governing law and jurisdiction and dispute resolution clauses.
1: Yes, we do. Not only in terms of ensuring they pass muster in terms of enforceability, but also in considering an appropriate method of dispute resolution, for example, through litigation or a form of ADR.
0: Talking of ADR, it strikes me that disputes in the art world could be particularly suitable for that, not least given the importance placed on privacy and confidentiality.
1: Yes, you're right. Arbitration, for example, is confidential and non-public, and so may be suitable, where the identity of the parties and the artwork itself may be sensitive. It is advantageous from an enforceability perspective, an important consideration post-Brexit, since arbitral awards are portable i.e. they can be enforced pursuant to the New York Convention in any signatory state. A key feature of the art world is obviously relationships built on trust and personal connections over many years, and so ADR could also help in preserving these long-term relationships. The other advantage of resolving disputes in a private forum is you don't run the risk of a public ruling, for example on the authenticity of an artwork, that is at odds with generally accepted expert views within the art world, which, depending on which side you're on, could render an artwork worthless and unsellable.
0: So, turning now to the scenario where, despite extensive due diligence and having a well-drafted contract in place, you discover you've purchased a fake or a forgery or something which wasn't what was described to you. Natalia, what are the legal remedies available?
2: Well, hopefully, if you indeed have a well-drafted contract, those remedies will be contractual, as that is the strongest avenue of attack. You could also make a claim in negligence and or misrepresentation, depending on the facts. The measure of damages in contract and tort differs, so that will be a consideration when deciding a strategy. There are also more tenuous causes of action, such as mistake or a claim under the sale of goods act, which you could plead, but which are less likely to succeed. Depending on the facts, you could plead several or all of these in the alternative.
0: Okay, so take us through these. So contract is best?
2: Yes. If you have a clause on your contract that warranties that the artwork is, ge- is genuine, you're on firm ground but the seller is very unlikely to accept a clause in those terms. Auction houses routinely include authenticity guarantees in their terms and conditions but these are not a universal cure. They are often limited to forgeries rather than misattributions and are usually qualified by the so-called state-of-the-art defense which states that the guarantee will come into play only if the description in the catalogue was out of line with the state of scholarship at the time of sale. That is, this is up for debate how much protection authenticity guarantees actually offer, though so there have been some successful cases.
0: So if the contract doesn't assist, what else?
2: A buyer may be able to bring an action in negligence, where he can show that the seller has assumed the duty of care towards him and was negligent in discharging that duty. There are several recent cases that set out what the seller must do to meet that standard of care, and the standard will be higher for an international auction house or a specialist dealer. In the recent and only successful case in negligence against a specialist dealer, the test was whether no reasonable leading specialist antiques dealer would have concluded that the objects were ancient and expressed an unqualified opinion to that effect. So you can see the threshold to succeed in a claim for negligence is high.
0: Mm -hmm. What about misrepresentation?
2: A buyer may be able to bring a claim in misrepresentation, which can be fraudulent, negligent or innocent, and the legal consequences of these will differ. A claim in fraud allows you to pierce the corporate veil and go after the individual who made the statement, even if the sale was made through a corporate vehicle. For negligent misrepresentation, you must have a special relationship giving rise to a duty of care. And in the absence of that, you may have a claim under the Misrepresentation Act.
0: What about those other causes of action, um, Mistake and the Sale of Goods Act? What are they and is there any point in pleading them?
2: Well, Mistake essentially means that the parties were at cross-purposes and intended to contract about different things. The courts will be very slow to find this, as in the interests of commerce, contracts should be upheld. There is some academic opinion that a mistake as to attribution can be actionable, but we are yet to see a case where this has been successfully pleaded. As to the Sale of Goods Act, that states that in a sale of goods by description, there is an implied condition that the goods will correspond with that description. So this sounds like the perfect solution, but it's far from it. For this to succeed, description must be a term of the contract. And paradoxically, just because your invoice says that you're buying a Van Dyke does not mean that you have contracted to buy a Van Dyke. The judge will look at the entire course of dealings between the parties to determine whether they intended to make attribution contractually binding. And the claim will fail if references to authenticity were mere statements of opinion. So you could plead these grounds in the alternative, but not, I suggest, as your main causes of action.
0: So if you have to go to court, you can fight this on several fronts. Are there any other tips?
2: Well, the first tip is that you don't have to go to court. As Gemma mentioned, alternative dispute resolution may be preferable. But regardless of the dispute resolution forum... The best practical tip is this. Instruct the best expert. Authenticity decisions, centre on expert evidence, and top experts in a particular artist are few and far between. The party who instructs the best expert will be in a superior position.
0: Well, our time is up. It's a complex topic which is impossible to cover fully in 10 minutes. We recently wrote an article in the Art, Antiquity and Law Journal called The Fine Art of Acquiring Authentic Artworks where we discuss all of these issues in much more detail. So if you'd like to learn more, look it up or give us a call. Thanks very much for listening.